this is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Um, before I get started, I just want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. If you haven't listened to the podcast, the last episode is a banger. It is about Macross Plus and all that that entails, considering that Macross is finally getting a really stable, really reliable release in the West. I wanted to talk about it because I have always loved Macross Plus and all of its weird trivia, and all of its obvious animation glory, because it's an, one of those fabled, unlimited-budget OVAs. Um, so, um, definitely go check that out in the feed of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, um, right below this episode. So, today I want to talk about something that actually I got dipped into on Macross Plus in a different way, and that is voice acting. Now, in the Macross Plus episode, I talked about the fact that Isamu Dyson, the lead character, is voiced by none other than I Am the Danger, Brian Cranston, who, at the time he did that voice acting job, it was not, he was not what he was now then. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because I saw an article about voice acting and specifically a- Asian American and and basically all people of color having issues with the voice acting community because it is largely white and it is more and more trending to be A-list and what can happen is A-list act is like eight, let's say, A-list through, like, B-list actors will swoop in and take voice acting jobs away from actual voice actors. Um, so, on the Brian Cranston, on the, um, not Brian Cranston, on the, um, Macross Plus episode, I talked about E, the actor who played E from, from Entourage. He is primarily a voice actor. He's not a great. He's in like a movie shortly after he was in Entourage because clearly his agent isn't an idiot. Um, but he he wasn't great in it. But he probably get if you look for him, you you know his name. I don't actually know his name, which is the worst. You probably find him in a lot of like, you know, small kid shows and stuff like that, and he's made a living as a voice actor. And oftentimes, actors who aren't super, actors who aren't super famous, or you know, very, or have or enjoy a ton of success on TV or in film, find work as voice actors because the the demands are different, the skills are way different, and if you want a great if you want to watch a great documentary, you should go watch, um, it's a documentary called I Know That Voice, and it's produced by John DiMaggio, who, if you're listening to this, you probably know John DiMaggio best as either Jake the Dog from Adventure Time or Bender from Futurama. And he's done a, if you listen to both those voices in those shows, they sound very similar, but if you look at, I saw a I saw on TikTok somebody was like, "Who's somebody you can always recognize?" And they they picked on John DiMaggio, and his range 
of voices is actually pretty wide. And this problem doesn't start here, but I think it got noticed most here. And it's one of the reasons why Don, why John DiMaggio made I Know That Voice is that kind of ever since Toy Story and even before that, animated movies have made a have made a point of, as part of the marketing of that movie, getting some sort of A-list, um, getting some sort of A-list talent, getting some, getting a seriously recognizable name for some, if not all of the cast. So, um, if you look at, say, um, if you look at, say, uh, Toy Story, Tom Hanks gets top billing there because he's Woody. Um, and actually, that extends even further down the line of I think his like brother or his son play Woody in like lesser things. I think his um cut some or something like that. And what that what that kind of thing kicks off is it kicks off. All of these movies that could be better served, all these animated products that could be better served by perfect by like a true professional voice actor, someone who, for who it is their craft, being those roles being filled by people who have more name recognition, more presence on social media, and all this other stuff, and it's it's kind of. Well, it's very unfortunate because we miss out on what we on the options we could have gotten and the kind of like demonstrations of the craft we could have gotten. So, um, I think probably the most egregious of this is um that movie Home, which is a terrible, terrible, terrible movie, where um the uh the alien character in Home, it's like an alien invasion kids movie bullshit thing. Is played by um. Is played by the guy play the actor who plays young Shel is the actor who plays Shelton in um the Big Bang Theory, and the main character is just played by Rihanna, and like, the actor who plays Shelton I forget his name I forget his name too. Is actually pretty good in it, but Rihanna, it's just Rihanna, and because of the recognizability of A, both their voices, and B, both those people, it, like, pulls the movie down more than it could have. I'm not saying that that was the, that was the nail in the coffin for that movie. It was, like, one a long list, and it was all the way at the bottom, trust me. But, using, I used to say this to people in, um, the, uh, New York creative industry, when they would interview me, is that, like, and actually, it got me quite a few, it got me a lot of work, this specific line. Oftentimes, when you're applying for jobs in um, the creative field, they want people who can do multiple things. And the most common of which is people want a designer who can code. But what you really end up getting there is you end up getting a coder who is slightly more aesthetic than the next one but 
is not very good at the act of designing, say, a website or an app because they're not thinking about all the specific things. And if you look at social social media maps, uh, social media apps are infamous for this because it, they have what passes for UI, but they're not and UX, but they're not really considering it. It's like sketched out in a lab somewhere and like dreamed up by people who don't really have the qualifications to really like nail it every time. And that's why you look at things from like Facebook and they seem slightly off, or you look at like things from Twitter or any of the likes and they seem slightly off. It's because they haven't given it to people who creatively like swim in that space constantly. And the only thing they're thinking about is UI UX and they're not thinking about codeability or, or they understand the codeability, but they're not, that's not their primary concern. Also, a lot of coders are very fucking lazy because they know how much they're worth and they know that they will keep their job over a designer keeping their job. And it, it sucks, but that's a whole different thing. What I'm trying to say is, is sometimes you want to hire, it, it, most times you'll be better off hiring for the exact job you have to give somebody instead of hiring for, you know, nine things at once. Because every every other thing that person does dilutes their skill set in each in the thing that came before it so if you hire somebody who's a really good singer like rihanna to voice a character yes she's a really good vocalist and yes she makes great music but she doesn't have the peculiarities of sound and ability that come with hiring a voice actor like they John DiMaggio, like say, um, what's it called? Like say, um, say Billy West, to use another Futurama example. And now, if you've been in the anime community, you know that there, lots of people know all about voice actors. I mean, you have like Steve Bloom, who is who has the last line of Cowboy Bebop, bang, tattooed as a waveform on his arm, and he has been super successful. You have Giant Bosch, God help us all, who's in, who for a while was in, like, every other thing. You have Christina V. You have all these, in the, all these actors. But if you've been paying attention so far, I have also been talking about largely white people. Actually, entirely white people. I haven't named a person of color in any of the voice actors, including Billy West and John DiMaggio, that I've mentioned here. And what that inevitably means is you have characters of color played by people who aren't, people who just aren't people of color. And that means that Oftentimes you get voices that feel like caricatures, voices that feel like 
that don't feel true to the character in the way that those characters would sound in real life. Now, the one of the best and funniest and lighthearted versions of this is if you go watch um, Golden Boy, if you go watch the swimming episode of Golden Boy, which you like, what is Golden Boy? What is the swimming episode? You know the um that that meme of that guy swimming and he just he just it, it's not the vibe, Chief, and he just he's barely making it through the water, like he's almost dying, and then he like stops and he's like, "So how is my swimming?" That is actually the episode and the show I'm talking about. You can actually go listen to an episode about Golden Boy on this very podcast in the feed in whatever you're using to listen to this right now. Um, if your podcast player has a search function, you can just search Golden Boy and you'll find it. But um, the scene in that where Kentaro, the main character, talks to a child. And the child is so 45-year-old man making a child voice that it is like unsettling. And it's just It's just clearly like, oh crap, we gotta, you know, get Gary from production. He does weird kid voices all the time. And, like, sat him in front of the booth and said, say these things. And he did. And he got, like, a pay bump for that day. And (laughs) it's just the worst. But exactly like I said was happening with, say, Rihanna getting a part instead of a professional voice actor getting a part. Not using voice act, not giving people of color a chance to be in the voice acting industry or to voice act means that you're missing a whole layer of, you know, uniqueness to voices that do exist. So, um, if you look at a show like, um, you look at a show like Cannon Busters. Cannon Busters has, I, I believe they have people of color voicing those characters. And the reason that is, is because that, that show is a very black show. It, it was conceived for that reason. So you end up getting characters that fe- that feel much more authentic than they would if you just like just went to your casting Rolodex and picked somebody out and said okay you can voice this, that, this character and the good thing about this is while it's definitely not true in like big name celebrity voice acted stuff I, like Things like TV shows and certainly anime, voice act, voice actors will, like, say, like, are you sure you want me to voice act this character? Because that character's definitely black, and I'm definitely white, and that seems fucked up. I'm going to do you a favor and not take this part. Actually, the um voice actor of Cleveland from Family Guy actually stepped down and was like, I have a playing a black guy, I've been 
passing checks for playing a black guy on TV. That seems not okay. That seems beyond the pale. And I took this before I knew better and I know better now. So I'm, I'm vacating the role so it can be more authentically voiced. And that's the thing is like, I think that people underestimate how much sound affects how connected we are to whatever, not only whatever we're watching, but whatever we're um, doing. So if you, let's say you make coffee and you like bring it to the table and you put the coffee down and you don't hear the gunk gunk of you unevenly making sure the first side of the coffee cup hits and then the second side of the coffee cup hits. Let's say that's just no sound, just silent. That would be really unnerving. Like you would feel the vibration of connect of those of those two objects connecting and the coffee cup resting on the table, but you wouldn't hear the sound that that affirms that. And so let's or um and there's another version of this which is and I know you probably haven't done this because I never do this actually I did it once when I was like 13 and I'll never forget it that's why I remember it most headphones come with instructions of some kind (laughs) you probably don't read them they're probably still they're probably like you probably unwrapped your headphones literally threw away the box knew there was a paper in there saw some like disclaimer text but like never read it Usually what that says, that says, like, yo, you fucking dumbass, don't wear your headphones when you drive. Don't, like, don't wear your headphones when you're walking, like, in the streets. Like, headphones are actually, like, prescribed for very specific purposes. We've all blown that out of the water. We do not care. We're fucking, like, running through traffic and headphones all the time. But the reason why they say that is because your sense of hearing is actually very important to how you understand the world. If you don't hear a truck coming, it's going to hit you. It's still going to hit you. You just won't have heard it approaching. Whereas if you heard a truck coming but didn't see it, you'd know, like, stay out of the street, dumbass. You don't want to get flattened by a truck or, in my case, hit by one of several cars. And so it... In, it's important in the same way you're, when you're watching a show. But the thing that you don't get is that you don't get that, say, say you're watching Bleach. And there's quite a few characters of color in Bleach. There's a, a black captain in Bleach, and there's Chad, who's Clearly Hispanic. He's just Hispanic. And in the American, in the American, especially the American dub of Bleach, you probably watch it, and my gut feeling is they're probably like, okay, this character's black, this character's Hispanic. We need to at least approximate those voices. In the same way, and this is lost, this is actually not lost in um, American dubs. Usually they just make it a southern accent, which is 
super wrong because it's a dialect, but whatever. In Japanese, in Japanese dubs of things, a character from Osaka or a character from a different part of Japan speaks really differently and sounds really differently. You can, the best, most hilarious variant of this is um, the character Osaka from um, from The Cooking is So Fun thing um, from Azamanga Daya. In, in um, the American dub of that, they're like, how do we, how do we explain this to a listener? I know, we'll give her a weird Midwestern, Southern, like, Texan accent. I think she's got, like, a Texan accent, really. And, like, that was fine because it was a jokey show, but they needed to, like, figure out a way to make her literally speak differently than other people. Um, and it, wor- it works out for that show. But it's just... One of the reasons that Samuel Jackson went hard at making, um, making, um, Afro Samurai was because he wanted a, like, he, he wanted to make a black anime. And if you look at the cast for Afro Samurai, like, it's all racially lined up. The the white character is white. Uh, in the second one, you meet, um, a, a, like, an evil princess lady, and she is voiced by Lucy Liu. So he's kind of getting the best of both worlds, really, there. He is getting, um, the, the, like, celebrity quotient because he's the producer and he he went out and he gave parts to smaller actors and I'm sure he gave parts to voice actors but he went out and gave like parts to appropriate people and appropriate actors so it feels a lot and when you watch it you're like this is voiced way differently and it is way more fun to watch because you get these authentic voices the last thing I'll talk about is the kind of reverse of this, where they're just like, no, all black cast. We don't care if those two idiots are white. We're giving them black people voices. And that is the Boondock Saints. The Boondock Saints is like about making a show about and for specifically black people. So, of course, they were like, they were getting music from all over. They were getting from all from all over the hip hop and R and B and rap community and just the community of people of color making music. They were getting you know black voice actors left and right, all this stuff. And actually, it's not the last thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about really how I want to talk about how homogeny happens and how industry promotes homogeny to happen for the last section of this, I guess. So, back when Space Dandy first premiered, Space Dandy was the first kind of, and it was very done very experimentally, and nobody knew if it was going to quite work. Space Dandy was the first real simul dub. In that, like, 
they got it as close to possible as possible to put it out every week. And what that promoted was a production line. And if you've worked in any kind of production from um, production design to film production to, you know, any kind of, if you've taken any kind of creative field and turned it into, and just been a person who produces that uh, at a professional level, for a long time, what you probably know is that you one of the most valuable things in production of anything is reliability. So I just got into 3D printing and um, I have a I have both kinds of 3D printers. I have materials for both. I'm actually waiting for some um, replacement parts for the second one, but not like not like the motherboard, like the like the like a part that's usually replaced, a part that wears out after like a certain amount of uses and being an idiot because I stabbed my FEP with my fucking scraper. But the reliability is a really important thing because you need to know that something will be there because if you know that something is where it needs, is where it should be, you can go to it every time it will produce the same results every time and that allows you to get some idea of how long something will take. But what that means is you can't, you can't have a necessarily all expansive like casting call every time. You can't have a, you can't do what people do when they make a movie and they need to fill a part and they need to audition for a part. That's part of the reason why um, things like they do things like franchise films because once once Tony Stark convinced the studio exec to read for Iron Man, he read for Iron Man. He was that character. We're casting Iron Man. Like we can now plan for movies with him. We had him sign a contract. He's in that contract for ten movies, and then. We'll figure it out when we get there, but even that has a process. The act of simul-dubbing basically created that for the dubbing process of anime. And once simul-dubs, once simultaneous releases were... Like, and when they say simultaneous, they sometimes they mean literally simultaneous, but lots of times they mean, like, a couple hours. Like, it's not literally airing the exact same time it's airing in Japan, but it's a couple hours here or there um, to when it was aired in Japan. What that means is you need a super reliable, you need a super reliable source of voice acting, which means you make, you make what they call a stable of voice actors, which means a set of voice actors you can always rely on or are contracted to work on this stuff and who just be available. And that's why these days you hear certain voice actors in everything all the time because they are part of the stable voice actors that say Funimation. Funimation is actually the most guilty of this. And what that ends up doing by necessity is it ends up shrinking the amount of voices you hear.
as characters, whether you realize it or not. The voice actors could be incredibly gifted and, like, be able to, like, pull something out of their ass that's super different for every single character they voice. But you're hearing a tremendously small amount of people voicing characters. And some of that is notoriety. Some of that is the fandom promoting people, um... Like, uh, what's his face? Uh, the voice of Full Metal Alchemist to end up ter- being a shitbag. And that's that's the other thing is that you don't necessarily, unlike, well, not unlike, because nobody knew Kevin Spacey was a slime ball for decades. Um, you end up not necessarily knowing exactly who you're endorsing because they're voice actors. They, they could be all kinds of creepy in their private life. Um, the God, for instance, before, before, much before the entire industry knew that what's his face was who I'm probably doing us all a favor by not invoking his name. Um, because as soon as he was, as soon as he was kicked out of the church, he became a demon person. <laughs> but for years before, and like any reports came out about him being a creepy weirdo asshole. Like, people just knew. And one of the ways people just knew is he used to, like, hand out CDs of him doing Bible quotes as Edward Elric. I remember Lauren saying, like, can you get me one of those just because next time, if you ever see him at a con, because they're just fucking weird things and I want to hear it. I'm like, Sure. That sounds real dumb and fun and bad. <laughs> Fucking asshole. And also, like, even at that time, they were like, yeah, don't don't get too close to him and be a lady with your back turned because he'll do some sketchy shit. And it... So there's that, but there's also, like, when you create a stable voice actor... You're creating, once again, by necessity, the industry The industry standard has forced that into existence. You're creating an in-group and an out-group. And because the industry at large has been largely white and increasingly more A-list or it's very least B-list, because if you look at Johnny and Bosch, people know him as, like, the voice of Renshin and, like, the voice of all these anime characters, but in reality, he is also the Red Ranger from the first Power Rangers. Like, he is going to conventions like Comic-Con every year, and he makes a living off of being a B-list celebrity with a real cult following. He's not a small guy. You know, at the time that um, Steve Bloom voiced Spike, he was much smaller, but now he's like, he's he's in Marvel cartoons. The, these guys, and g- don't get me wrong, Steve Bloom is a million times better than Johnny M. Bosch, just as a personality. But, like, lots of these voice actors start small, and lots of these actors start small, just like Brian Cranston, but they get they get big and they don't, they don't let go of, they don't let go of the position. And actually, um, 
if you listen to, I think, the, the interview with Brian Cranston where he talks about being Isamu Dyson. And he was like, I had a lot of fun. And it was like, I, but I had to work really hard. And quite frankly, I don't think I was the best. I got the job. I don't think I was the best. And he very he's very deferential to the art of voice acting in that clip from what I remember. And it's very clear that like, he wouldn't go take that job. Like he wouldn't go take that job because he knows he's done it before. And he knows like, I like, this is, this is not my realm. I'm not the best person for this. Other people should be given this position. I bet because of the infamy the infamy of that weird trivia fact, if they remastered it and they wanted to redo the sound, although the sound is very good on um on Macross Plus. And they were like, Hey, can you do this again? He's like, Let me see if I can get the voice back, but yes, because I was the character ri- originally. Which is f- fine and good and that's how that should be oftentimes. But he's not going to go busting down the doors for, like, an animated movie because it's not – that's, like – that's not what you want, so to speak. And I just wanted to talk about this because I thought it was really interesting and it is a big problem in the industry – and it, there's all kinds of different attack points at it. But if you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast and whatever you're using to listen to it right now. Um, new episodes come out every week, twice a week. Um, the third day episode is more of a review show. It's me talking about a show or movie. Um, usually anime, although on rare occasions I'll talk about a real-life show, like I did an episode on Queen's Gambit, or I'll do a live-action anime um, show where I, like, I did a episode with my cousin Danny about the live-action Ghost in the Shell, in which he is furious about that movie for the entire episode. <laughs> well, I'm, to be clear, I'm also furious about that movie, because it's, it's, it's fucking, it's fucking a collage pastiche of the Ghost in the Shell universe. That's what it is. Like, it's one one breakdancing naked man away from being the entirety of the Ghost in the Shell missos. Um, but crammed into, like, a, the side of a soda can or some more shit. But on that note, um, and, and then uh, Sunday... Sunday episodes are more like this. They're more metatextual. They're more about like industry stuff or fan stuff. Um, and on that note, I have been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. And I will talk to you on Thursday.